When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to No Chill with Gilbert Arenas. Today we got another installment of Unwritten Rules. Y'all loved the first installment so much we had to reinstall it and give y'all another one. So Gil, <laughs> we're going to get right to it. First thing we're going to talk about is the unwritten rules of ref in the NBA game. So a question I got for you, I'll be watching at the crib. It seems like, and we've seen it over the course of history, where it's Corey Brewer taking like 27 steps, Perk taking his good eight or nine steps, mm-hmm. the infamous Westbrook clip where he's holding the ball doing his... He's basically crip walking, <laughs> not getting the call. So why don't refs call travel as much as they should? Okay, so one, you got to remember, refs are fans too. <laughs> so they're, they're just like we're watching the game, they're watching the game too. So you can catch like moments in time where, you know, KD saves a ball and he's 50, he, like he's next to the cameraman when he saves it. The refs ain't looking at the feet. They're just enjoying the play and they're like, oh, you know, mishap. You know, so stuff like that actually does happen. Um, But it's not a, refereeing is not black and white like it is in every other level, right? It's it's gray area refereeing in the NBA where a ref doesn't want to be defenders six, seven, and eight, right? They want the talent. This is the best platform on earth. We want the talent to dictate this game. So what ends up happening is, as fans or trainers now, you look at a play that's a travel and you think, oh my God, this is a gather step. This is a... No, the ref just didn't call it. So if you see a player on a fast break, like, like think about the last time you actually seen a fast break travel call. The ref is not going to reward the defense for not getting back. So if I turn the ball over and I'm just walking down the court, like sitting here like, where the foul at? And he takes 13 steps. The ref is not going to reward me by calling that call. Oh, travel. Let's take it all the way back. No, they're just going to pretend like it didn't happen. So that's why you see a lot of travels on fast breaks because the ref, the defense is not making that person travel. So I'm not going to reward the defense by being a defender on that call. So they allow it. It's like either make them, make them travel or I'm just not going to, I'm not going to blow my whistle on this one because that's, that is the gist. You don't want that referee to say, yo, why are you f***ing up the game by making it? Like, who made me travel here? No one. I, I, I just lost my footing. But now you want to be all super, you know, gadget on the, on, the, on, the, uh, on the whistle and stop the whole play. Now we got to rewind all the way back here because the, the, the defense was lazy. And is that predicated on, on star level, like somebody like yourself or LeBron or Steph or Westbrook? Are they not going to get that call versus, you know, somebody who's not on that level of scrub? Okay, in, in general, just say like a fast break. Like, you know, Corey Brewer, right? He took on one, he took 11 steps. 11 good steps. Remember, this is not three steps where there's a gather in one, two. He took 11. So that means there were nine <laughs> gather steps on this one, right? But he's so far in front of the defense that the refs is just like, just 
finish the play. <laughs> like, I've just finished the play. Like, you're just going to finish the play. So if it's in wide open, it's, it's basically like the only ref who's going to make that call is if he just don't like you personally. But, you know, usually the stars get away with more travels because the stars are the ones making a play. So if you see LeBron James when he's playing Washington Wizards and he goes to do the Euro and misstep and take three, four steps and the ref don't call it, because they're looking at him finishing the play, not looking at his feet. Like, people don't understand. No ref is sitting there watching a play like, okay, gather. And one, two. It's, it's good. No, no ref is doing that. They're just watching the game. So if you come in and, and do some shit, they're like, go, just three. It's good. They're just, they're, they're, they're going in a the moment. They don't, they don't have time to stop and look and freeze frame. Let me count the steps. Oh, Oh, it wasn't a gather step. You 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 dribbled, then step, then that's that's travel. They're not doing that. They're just watching it in real time and letting it go. And then they make a decision later on to see every time he does that, what's the percentage of this as a travel versus him, you know, doing it the right way. So we talk a lot too in the league about makeup calls. Like ref might miss a, a blatant call and then make something up. Do you do you think that's true? Do refs, oh, well, one thousand. So they go out of their way, like oh, this one up, I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and, and get you on this one. Okay, so if we're if we're and this is why when when players like you know Kevin Durant yelled out um, the, the 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 officiating is inconsistent. Of course, it's inconsistent because everyone's different. Every every referee has their own view on how the game should be ref. You got some guys who like physical; they like the '80s style. Some guys like the new style. Some guys like and one. Some guys don't like and one. Some, you know what I mean? Some like tiki tack. Someone likes superstar scoring a, a lot of points. Some guys don't like blowouts. So if a team is getting blown out, they're going to help the other team. That happens. It has nothing to do with cheating. It's just what you prefer as a referee. So if we're both repping the same game, you're going to be repping it different than I'm going to be repping it. Right? So that, that's just the nature of how it's being repped. You know, so superstars, superstars in a sense, are going to get more leeway because they are the face. That's what that's who everyone's coming to see. So, like makeup calling is like, oh, he fouled you. You're bleeding. He didn't call it because he missed it. I see the blood. So shit, he hit you. Like I, okay, my bad. I'll make it. You come down the lane and you make that noise. Ugh. And one foul, and one <laughs> like you just start start doing stupid shit. Like, bro, I didn't even touch him, man. Now you owe me one. <laughs> so I, I remember back in the day, obviously when Kobe was playing, he would yell, "Hey!" After after he shot every shot. Do you do you find that refs because they know that's coming? But if you're guarding somebody like Kobe and he hits him with the "Hey," are they more inclined to give him that foul call, thinking that there was contact? Yeah, because see, because everyone everything is moving at such a high speed, you don't see everything, right? So you're going off of. Noises, you know. You remember back in the day when someone goes in for the layup and they they do that. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. remember that that old little trick. Yeah. Oh, he got slapped. Must have been a foul. <laughs> like, bro, I didn't even touch him. Like, you, you know, you go off of sounds. Yeah. So you know, it's it's that player understanding that okay, he might not be able to see that. So I tuck it. Hey, 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 and you and then you come up with it. Oh, he was getting held. He's screaming <laughs> foul. <laughs> you know, so. It's, that's that, you know that's a little bit of manipulation on 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 players' parts. Is there a time in the game when refs would be more inclined to make calls versus not like you know fourth quarter they're going to be more inclined to, to make calls in critical moments when they feel like they're going to be able to turn the game with those calls or 
you know, first first quarter they're not gonna call some shit. Just say it's early in the game. We're gonna let that slide. You know, uh, you know, it's you're less like certain calls you get at the beginning of the game. You won't get towards the end um, because that's when the star is supposed to be a star. So, you know, as a no name, so so, so let's say somebody like uh, Marcus Smart or Patrick Beverly, stuff he was doing at the beginning of the game probably won't work for him at the end of the game. You know, um, some things that worked for or didn't work for him at the beginning of the game might work for him at the end of the game because they want they want the talent to really finish the game. So you're going to see less on last shots, fouls being called because they don't really want to end the game on free throws. You know, th- those are real things that actually happen. They don't want to end. So you will see a guy, like I think it was the last game where, you know, Lakers, the guy shot the three and it looked like he got fouled. No. Right? He gets that call earlier in the game. He gets that call every single time earlier in the game. But because that's the last shot, if I don't call it, it's overtime. So I'm going to let the, I'm letting the talent finish it. Because if, if he misses and I blow the whistle, they win on the three. And what if he didn't really get fouled? I'm getting penalized for that. So I just make no call. So one, one of the things we saw during the playoffs last season, your favorite player, Giannis, taking easily over 10 seconds every time at the line. It got to be a running gag with all the crowds that they would do the counts. The counts were a little janky. Obviously, mm-hmm. you can't trust a crowd to count on time. But do you feel like you know some officials would call it? Most of the time, they would not. Is, is there any pressure from the league or from outside force? When these become big talking points on sports shows, even shows like this, do they, they feel now, okay, we got to send a message to Giannis to speed that shit up? It's, th- those are the same thing. Even with Carmelo, that used to happen with Carmelo. You have to be an asshole referee to make a 10-second call. Like, I, like you really literally got to be sitting there. One, two, three. Like, you really have to actually be counting. Who the f*** is counting the free throw besides the I never crowd. understood what this, like, like that, what that thing meant. Like, like that, just, that to be just, like yeah, that's, the but, official count. But is that, do they even do that on the free throw line? Or they do that like uh, sitting in the key, right? Yeah, like, sure. like, Like, come on, they can't even keep the count on three seconds. Let alone, <laughs> let alone free throws of 10 seconds. No one's, you're just sitting there like, yo, just. Come on, hurry, hurry. Nobody's, like, like that's what I said, you have to be really, like, you have to be a real bad ref to sit there and mess up a guy's routine. Obviously, that's his routine. Obviously, he takes the same amount of time every single game, every single time up there. So why are you going to mess up the routine just because this gray area ruling of 10 seconds? Like, it does, like, come on, let it go. So, I mean, when you look at officials, you got a lot of officials who are sensitive. They're human beings. Everybody tries to act like officials are these unbiased figures like judges, but we know judges are full of shit, too. We've seen, <laughs> you know, things recently, judges, you know, screaming the N-word, talking about they were sedated. Like, yeah, I, never, yeah, yeah. I never yeah, seen yeah. no sedation make me yell out the N-word <laughs> like that. But So there's biases, there's preconceived notions, things like that. It seems like, I look at a guy like Draymond Green. I love Draymond, the way he plays, the heart, the passion he plays with. But he'll say some reckless, out-of-pocket, wild shit to referees, and the rest will just eat it, versus some guys... Who literally, you know, I remember Tim Duncan got a tech one time just for, for looking with the stank guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? So is there, you know, what determines kind of what guys get the rope to be able to do that stuff versus what guys don't? It's all about the human. Like, it, like the more confident the ref is in his ability, the less likely he's going to give you that tech. Right? It, it, I, treat, I, I treat them like police. Right? <laughs> I treat them like police, really. The bigger the police is, Small workout guy. He 
don't fear for his life. That's why you don't see big police officers shooting people. They <laughs> confident in the way. It's always the skinny little guy. Oh, I was scared. Same thing with refereeing. Okay. You know, like, yo, you, the only reason I'm arguing with you is because you fucked up. You missed the call. I'm expressing the frustration. Now you want to give me a take. So you're doing the same thing I'm doing technically, but you have the power. Right? You missed the call. I'm arguing with you. You want to give me a text. So you fuck up. I tell you you fuck up. Then you want to penalize me for you that you originally did. You know, you have those refs. Some refs are like, eh, I'm not paying attention to you, bro. Just shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, you have those refs. But they're not penalizing you for it. Like, those are the better refs. The better refs that knows that, okay, he's frustrated. Maybe I fucked up a little bit. All right, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll check it out. Listen to what he's saying, blah, blah, blah. Ignore, because that's what he does. You know, you have those refs who just let you, you can bicker all day. It, this doesn't bother me, bro. You, you have those. You have, you have refs that say, listen, just don't show me up. Okay. With the hand gestures. If you want to put your hand, you want to put the, your mouth under and then call me whatever you want. The good fellow, yeah, you, you come yeah, with the good fellow yeah, yeah. But you see someone do this, the worst of the worst is coming out. The worst of the worst. I mean, that's the, the, put it like this. This is this is like, yo, you muck, you you some. I'm a whoop yo. Like that's what's coming out of that person's mouth. But because the world don't hear it, you got to remember, it's a human. A human don't want to be embarrassed. Yeah, you're embarrassing me at my job. So as long as you're not embarrassing him at his job. You're not going to really, like, you don't really ever see someone get a tech and he has his mouth over there, like, you mother. Like, you never see somebody like, oh, tech. <laughs> like, you know, so it's. Last thing I want to hit you on, on on this topic. So when my pops was in the league, and I want to see if this any different, but he always tells this story. His rookie year, he wasn't getting no calls. He had to get a tech to finally get the respect of the refs and just let him know he wasn't playing that bullshit. So did you find kind of early in the league, how were you able to earn the respect of officials? Was it just through play or was it, you know, approaching them a certain type of way, or did you have to kind of cuss dudes out and let them know what time it was? Um, it's a little bit of both. You know, that's what I said. It's, it's human behavior, so everyone's different. You can't treat everyone the same. You can't do the same thing to everyone. Sometimes you can cuss somebody out, and he takes that personal, and the rest of your career, he's going to be against you. So, you know, my approach is was learning names. I want to learn their names. So if I do cuss them out, I'm cussing them out with their name in it. Steve. You. Right, you, know? <laughs> you know what I mean? Instead of saying, hey, ref, you know, it's Steve. Like, no, yeah, yeah. You know, so now he knows I understand. I took the time to understand and know your name. Um, you know, just having conversations. Just having conversations like, yo, can you at least look at it? Like, just look at the play. Like, at halftime, if you have time, just let me know if, you know. Like, you, you know, you just, it's, you got to remember they're still human. So you still got to treat them like that. Some, some players, you just don't give, I just don't give a shit. Right, and I'm just gonna lay it in him. But later on, probably when it calms down, I'm all better. Like, yeah, you know what? My bad. I'm just frustrated. And they be like, oh, all, right, all right, all right. Have you ever seen a ref do that? It's like you tell a ref go check that out and just mm -hmm. look at it and come back with a golf. I'm like, yo, hey, uh, yeah, loser, loser, loser owes dinner. Loser owes dinner. Point blank. And they be like, all right. And then they be like, <laughs> are they <laughs> are they making good with no, that? No, no, I have a ref like, yo. I, but are they sending some Popeyes to the hotel? No, 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 no. It's just, it's just, it's just a, it's just a I owe you letter that we used to do back in high school. But can I get an IU on a makeup call? I need this N one now. Right? That's where the, the state dinner comes in. It's okay. the makeup call. Okay, okay, <laughs> you know what I mean? okay. <laughs> Is it a little wink between y'all two? Like, no, like, right. like when I used to get frustrated, 
I used to like <laughs> I used to get frustrated. Like so, oh so this is we're playing prison rules now, huh? We're just how we do it. We play, and then I'll just call one, and I just drive hard, like trying to run a player over. I just try to run someone over, and then the refs just give the blocking foul. <laughs> Are you done? Are you done? Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I'm, I'm done. That's what I said. It's humans. You gotta you gotta you gotta be able to connect with that actual human being. Like we 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 think these guys are. We think they're smarter than the history that's being made. No, they're they're learning just like us. And that's where, you know, going back to like traveling and moves, they're learning. You got to remember, we're working on a move in the summer, right? All summer, we're working on our game, perfecting our game, understanding how to, to develop and get these counters to counters to counters. There's no referees there. Right? There's no referees monitoring that. So the first time they actually see any of this is game one. They have to adjust to it. So I remember James Harden's step back was ruled 70-30. 70 times, 70% of the time he does it, he does it legal. So there's 30% illegal. Illegal, 30%. So they deemed it legal. If you don't catch those steps in real time, do not prejudge the call. So now when he comes and he does that, they're just going to let it go. He's moving backward. He has no advantage. Don't call it. Let the defense make that play. So people, social media trainers, look at these steps and say, oh, these are, these are legal. Like, no, it's, that actually isn't legal. But they already made it legal to not blow the whistle unless it's being called. Just like Allen Iverson's crossover. When they deemed it, if you ever see it, if you ever see when they were making a call, when they deemed it illegal, anytime he got ready to do the motion, carry. And be like, yo, he didn't carry it. But because they wanted the move gone so bad that they overforced the call. Anytime he just got rid, just a regular one, trap. Like, like they just pre, it was a prejudge. We want to get rid of this move. It's too much an advantage. So we want to get rid of it. So when he, there was times he did it, he was doing a move that had nothing to do with a carry and they were going to blow that whistle anyway. So they prejudge. Once they rule it, that's what they're going to do. Just like some of the calls where they already prejudge, this is not, we're not going to make this call this year. And that's what they did. So next up, I want to talk about the unwritten rules of blowouts. So this season, we saw the Grizzlies smack OKC by 73 points. Uh, sheer embarrassment. Got to ask, <laughs> if you were on the Thunder that night and your team is just getting mollywopped like that, how do you react as a player on that squad? Uh, I get better. <laughs> like, I get, I get better. <laughs> like, Are you going right to the gym after the game? Yeah, you go up? right to the gym. There's, there's like, you just got blown. You just got blown out of the building. Like, there's no... There's no having fun. There's no partying. There's no having conversations in the locker room. It's, yo, yo, we, we, we really have to do better. We just got smacked. We're an NBA team. We just got smacked on. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we need to go and, like, really, like, start putting in some real serious work. And you put the onus on the players there? Is that on the coaching? I mean, or is that just, look, we need to we need Listen, to a coach, all this shit. A, a coach, uh, we give too much credit to, like, coaches sometimes like yeah they have a game plan but that game plan has to be executed still 
So you can you can draw all the plays you want in the world, but if you have sorry ass players on your team, you have a sorry ass team. <laughs> I'm just sorry. <laughs> That's just how that works. So you know the onus is really on the players to really get better, like get better individually. A team, a team structure offense or defense in practice is exactly what it is. It's for the team, right? To put you guys in spots to be successful. As a player, you have to be able to be successful on your own. So you have to be able to get in the gym and hit shots and put shots up and put those reps in. You know what I mean? So the onus is really on the players to 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 be able to um, compete in games. So I just want to get to the other side of that. So now, say you're on the Grizzly, you're smacking her ass. Now it seems like prime stat padding time. If you're a player on that squad, are you are you taking advantage of that? Or are you like, look, I'm, I'm going to get mine and I'm going to rest. I'm not trying to play this the bulk of this game. I just want to chill and let the scrubs get their, their time to shine. Listen, I, there's this there's this, uh, this unwritten rule in, in basketball of sportsmanlike conduct. There, there's no such thing. It doesn't exist. It's, it's a fake notion. There's been fights on top of fights on top of fights because one team is blowing them out and they're still playing basketball. And the team that's losing is actually mad. And <laughs> they're actually mad. Not mad that they're getting their ass whooped. Because, you know, they're not mad they're getting their ass whooped. They're mad for this one possession that a person shot that they didn't think should have been shot. Right? That, and then fights break out. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. It's fake. That whole scenario is fake. Here's why. We're taught play to the end of what? The whistle blown. To the end of the game. You play your heart. You play 100%. When you train and you're being taught, you're trained to go 100%. Now there's this rule out there that's been made up. If you're up 20 on me, you don't go hard anymore. Don't go hard. I'm still going to go hard because I need to come back. Yeah. You don't go hard because you're the dominant team. So now you're supposed to do everything opposite of what you've been taught. You go 60%, 40%. I'm going to go 100 You know what? Take him out of the game. <laughs> Take your guys out of the game. Put some ice on the knees. I'm going to stay in. So the, the team that's winning, the stars go out. The losing team, stars stay in to keep playing, they make a comeback. Now you got to come back in the game and then, then they reward me if we win. Oh my God, miracle win, this big comeback. No, no, no. 
No, you 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 look down upon the team that's winning and tell them stop kicking everyone's ass and sit down and rest. No, that's not how the game is played. You play. If I sub you out, whoever's coming in, whoop that ass too. <laughs> you don't hold the ball and run offense like he takes 24 seconds to shoot the ball. I get the ball. I take five seconds to shoot it no. because that's what ends up happening. I'm stalling the clock, right? You're pressing me. I shoot with 24 seconds. You get the ball, run down and shoot it. And then you get mad if I got the rebound and then outlet it and he made a layup fast enough. Like... It's dumb. It's dumb thinking. Bench players come in, that clock is zero, zero. Zero, zero. I don't want my bench players to, 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 to play less than what you're supposed to play. You're supposed to play 100%. The score is zero, zero. Win. When you guys get in, win. And that's how I approach the game. I don't know what that score was. We're down 30 or up 30. When I got in, zero, zero. If you're going to play defense, I'm going to try to score. Like, because we've seen incidents where they're holding the ball and they're sitting there like this and then someone steals and goes and dunks. No one says shit, right? Ever. Have you ever seen a fight happen because of that? I saw a Monmouth, Kansas game. I was going to ask you about that. I don't know if you remember the dude who did that. And I don't think it was going to be a fight, but Monmouth was down like 40 or 50 when he, when he did it. He came through and got his bang out, though. And I respect, I'm like, look, play to, play to zeros. But, the fake handshakes, all that yeah, other type you, of shit. But, that's that. a, but you've never seen a real fight happen no. because of it. It's usually happened because the person who's up scores and the, the losers. But if the loser does it, there's no problem. That's why I said it's all felonious. It's all felonious. Just if you don't win, to get blown out. Prepare better. <laughs> that's that's my model for life. Like everything <laughs> I do. So when I ask you, should the NBA consider a mercy rule? Like, should we go running clock? Teams down fifty, get this shit over with, or let it keep going? Let that ass whooping just go so they can learn from it. Okay. Just sports all the way across the board. Listen. If you go into a game and you're getting blown out from AAU, a team is pressing your team, right? And you're looking at the other ref like, yo, take your press off. You're up 30. If that's what your mindset has to do, take it easy on us, you quit. Quit. Just, hey, hey. We're down 40. It's going to keep getting worse. We're going to leave. Thank you. Appreciate it. We're going to go back to the gym, work out. Hey, Lisa Leslie had 100 point, 101 points at halftime. The team didn't show back up. We're good. <laughs> we're, we, we're good here. They went straight to the parking lot. Like, <laughs> we, 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 hey, first half. Uh, hey, just, no, no. Pack your shit. We're, we're, we're back home. They didn't come into the second half talking about, hey, hey. Can you uh, not play your, your, your girl anymore? Like, no, there's no favor. Like, we're not doing that. Either the team that is getting at you quit. But I'm not going to tell my team not to play. What does that actually say on both sides? Hey, when you're, when you're beating someone bad, take your brakes off. Learn how to turn the switch on and off. Hey, when you're getting your ass beat in life, look for a handout. That's all this, that's all it's teaching. Look for a handout when you're getting your ass whooped. That's why people actually get offended when they're getting beat by 35. They had no fucking effort that whole game, but one play, now they want to be all big and bad and start whooping somebody's ass. No, you no, you should have did, you should have, you should have had that kind of energy from when when it should jump ball. It reminds me a little bit, uh, like first time, one of the first times I saw you play was high school. I was a sophomore at Crenshaw. You, you were at Grant. Y'all came in. 
And Kershaw was gonna press the whole game. Mm -hmm. You know, Willie West and Kershaw, he don't give <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but I think you gave him that 40 piece. I want to say four quarter. I don't know what, how you might have injured or something and you came out. I was tired. Okay. You're from the press. Best. <laughs> but I want to ask, when you're on that other side of that as a star player, you're getting that ass whooping and you know, shit, ain't no way we're going to win this game. Mentally, you're just like, ah, I'm just going to have to go ahead and try and get this 40 piece. You got to compete. It's, it's still about showing heart. It's still about competing. Like, like, like you, we're not taught to give up. You know what I mean? We're, we're really not taught to give up. The unwritten rule is teaching us to give up. I'm down, to, I'm down 20. I done trained too hard to just say, oh, they got us by 20. I'm cool. And my, my brain says, I can come back. Tracy McGrady with 13 seconds, 13 points. And his brain tells him I can come back. And it has happened. Usually that game's over. Walk it, walk it up. But some players are built different. Like, yo, I, I, I don't get what that score is. I have a, like, Jordan, there's no mercy rule. Hey, hey, Jordan, you're MJ. Hey. <laughs> Look, I'm going to kick your ass every time I can kick your ass. And that's just how it is. It's, it's the winner gets, I think someone got, I think a, a coach got suspended because he beat a team. Oh, yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember that. Now, <clears throat> so let's put this in real life since it happened in real life. He's blowing the team out, right? He doesn't start the starters in the second half. So the girls who usually don't play, right? It was girls team, right? I believe, yeah. The girls who yeah, like write a letter. The girls who usually don't play come in, right? Not, not the starters. The girls who usually don't play come in and kicking that ass too, right? <laughs> like, what, what are they supposed to do? Throw the ball in the air, walk down. Like, what, what, like in what world, what do you want them to do? Hey, I, I can score, but let me just give you the ball. And then you can, here, give it. Like, what do, you, what, do, what do you really expect a team not to do if they're that dominant over another team? So what they decided to do is, hey, you apologize for training that well to whoop their ass. And then you're going to miss a few games without pay for being that good. And coach, you lost by 70 last game, 100 this game. And I know you're going to lose by 60 the next game. But your job is secure. <laughs> wait, wait, what? The, the guy who's blowing everybody out gets suspended. The guy who's taking ass whooping, nothing. Yeah. There's, there's nothing like going on about your business, bro. Like, <laughs> Really? Like you're penalizing, you're penalizing the hardworking team, and the guy who's just sitting there getting mollywopped is fucking fine with his job. That that's that's what we're really teaching in in the sport of basketball. Just period. Just like I can't help. I can't. But, you know, it's funny you say that because even if you look at the NBA and how it's constructed, right, successful teams get penalized, right? They don't get, they get the shitty draft pick. Mm -hmm. And we're going to reward the shitty team for going out putting a mediocre product. And here now you get the best talent. Where else would that happen? Like, there's no job <laughs> like you in college and I'm, I'm the best engineer. All right, you got to go work the shittiest company, dog, because, hey, you know what I mean? You're going you to got your doctor and you went to school eight years. Uh, McDonald's, baby, fix the, uh, fix the ice cream machine that's been down. 20 years, bro. Like, no. No, that's not how that works. Now, yeah, you put in McDonald's training, you work at 
McDonald's. That's how that works. Like that McDonald's is no, uh, you have no graduation, no diplomas, and a bunch of GEDs. That's what McDonald's and fast food is basically. You don't have a four-year doctorate sitting in McDonald's. For sure. You know what I mean? But in sports, it's... <laughs> so last thing I want to ask you, what are the unwritten rules of bench etiquette in a blowout? I know you remember that game back in the day, LeBron and the Cavs, they were doing, I think it was at Madison Square Garden, they are doing the, uh, the water bottle, tricking, like, you know, it's... <laughs> You know, we've seen situations, you know, LeBron was getting into fights because they're dancing on the bench and doing whatever, getting into it. Is there a certain, you know, procedure that you follow? Everybody says no. be professional. Is it like, yeah, we're no. around, we're enjoying this moment. No, 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 no. What? Listen, we both prepared, right? We both prepared for this game. I beat your ass so bad that I get to sit on the bench and enjoy the company of this bench. If I, if I want to eat a hot dog, I'm getting a hot dog. I'm going to try to, I see a bad girl walking in the arena, wait, I'm going to try to get that number. Like, you can't tell me what to do because I put in the work. Now, the fact that a, a, a players on the, on the court are paying attention to me, that, that's probably why your ass got beat in the first place. You're doing everything but watching the game. So you're trying to fight me because I'm having a water bottle challenge over here. Maybe I will be in there competing against you if y'all actually competed, right? But that's what I'm saying. They put so much emphasis on the stuff that doesn't matter to the winning. Those guys are on the bench for a reason. Steph Curry. Steph Curry, one year, was it 2015, 16? He set, what, damn near 34 quarters? 30, the man said 34 quarters. And I guarantee you, if he was on the bench like this, <laughs> there'd have been a problem. <laughs> he, he's not allowed to sleep on the bench. Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah he is. He just gave you 40. One dude gave you 60 points in, 20, in 11 dribbles. <laughs> 11 dribbles. He gave you 60 points in 11 dribbles. He can do what the f*** he wants to do on that bench. If he wants to open up a Budweiser, let that man do what he needs to do. <laughs> so I, I, I personally don't. If you want to celebrate and celebrate your team and do all that and play, that sideline is your sideline. Do whatever you want to do with. Like, I'm playing. I'm focusing on the court. If I'm focused on what this person is doing, then there's a problem with me, not them. Because if they were losing and that was happening, someone's going to be up they ass for it. You know, so... We penalize, we penalize winners for some reason in sports. So we got another unwritten rule, Gil. So this is the 15th anniversary this December, a couple days ago before this taping. You dropped 60 points on the Lakers. Pow! I was on Baller's Life going through watching. Kobe got a lot in the buckets. Uh -huh. You know, it was, it, was, uh, it, was, it was interesting to see. I just want to know, before we get into the unwritten rules portion of it, what do you remember from that game, dropping that 60 piece, and how much shit were y'all talking to each other? Or did it get to a point where it was like, I'm gonna stop talking to this leg Gil cook? No, 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 it's funny. It's like, you gotta blame Luke Walton. Because <laughs> Luke Walton always came up to me every time we played, like, like yeah. Kobe said, uh, he told me to tell you that, um, yeah, he's gonna shut you down today. He's guarding you personally. Like, well, then you tell him that uh, I'm gonna scratch whatever playbook that we're gonna do, and I'm just gonna go one for a flat. And made this an ISO show. And that's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's basically how our, our shit talk is. We never talk shit 
to each other. It was like <laughs> via, it was via uh, Luke Wall, and it's like one of those, hit my hand, uh, uh. It was one of those. Luke like, Wall oh. not here back channeling between both the uh, <laughs> diplomatic negotiations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so when you and Kobe say, like, at what point do you guys actually start talking to each other during the game, or what's going we on? We never, like, the only thing he said that game is like, why, you're not going to guard me, huh? You're not, you're not, <laughs> <laughs> you're not going to guard me, you're just going to be one-sided? I was just, you're just going to be a one-sided player? Huh? Uh, challenge yourself. You know, come on in and guard me something. Like, you know, I'm not gonna guard you. You're just gonna post up the whole time. Are you gonna post up? I, I can't guard you in the post. We're gonna have to double. Then you get now the sorry players get to score more points. So now nah, I'm not gonna do that. Deshaun got you. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanna ask, what are the unwritten rules of being in a zone like that? From yourself, from your teammates? Like, if you know a guy's on the verge of hitting a 40 piece, a 50 piece, or a 60 piece like yourself. Are you more inclined to give him the rock? Are you dealing with any haters on your squad? Or like, I don't, I want Gil to get sixty because I want that sixty. Okay, so the unwritten rules. See, I'd never been, <clears throat> I'd never been in a situation where another player was outshining me in the game <laughs> for me to even give that shit up. Okay, so we're gonna start with that. Unwritten rule for me as the star. The unwritten rule is, if I'm on a heater, you're not getting that shit. All right? I don't give a shit. What coach called, you're not getting the ball. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot it. I'm going to try some heat checks. And if I cool off, I'm going to keep shooting until I can catch back on fire. <laughs> you know, that's just, that's just how that, that works. It's like if you, when you see people like Steph, you know, going for 50 and breaking these records, that's the – it's an unwritten rule for a player. Now, as a team, as a team, let's say um, – Golden State this year with Steph in the record, right? There's an unwritten rule that, but it's it's obvious that Steph is gonna go for this record. He don't he's not going for it. It's 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 gonna happen. It's the, it's not even the middle of the season. So this is gonna happen. He's gonna break this record at some point. Now it all depends on when he wants to break it. What team does he want to break it on? So the unwritten rule is we're gonna help him break this record if we got to set screens all the time and we got like we're gonna you know we're gonna do all the things that we need to do to actually help him break it while still you know playing our normal game so let's just pretend you're Steph for a moment you're looking at the schedules like oh we're in Indy I don't really want to break it there it's nasty I got Madison Square Garden coming out. are you mapping out or playing and obviously you will probably want to break it at home even though you know Chase has only been home for a couple seasons now and really Oracle was the spot but are you mapping out, I want to do it here because it's going to be cracking. I know Spike going to be here taking the, the nice God shot. Steph said something that was very interesting that people, I don't, I don't really think that a lot of media really paid attention to. It was like, Steph, you got 16 threes left. Are you going to try to break it uh, next game? You know, and his answer was exactly what a high-level IQ would say. I'm gonna let the game itself would dictate how I play it, right? The game is gonna dictate how I approach this game. I'm not gonna go into the game trying to score 16 threes. Because that means if I'm trying to score 16 threes, that means I'm forcing all those shots and it's not coming to me, right? You know, I have to just play the game and if I see my shots, then I'm gonna take my shots. If not, I'm not going to just force up threes just to hit this, this record because that record is going to get broken anyway. So now 
you know, I hit two here, I hit four next game, right? I hit, you know, six that game. Now, now I got, oh shit, Madison Square Garden. Yes, sir. All I need is three, two going into this game. I'm, I'm going to actually try to break it here. Okay. You know what I mean? I'm going to actually try to break it here. When it comes to, you got, you're 16 away, you don't really, you're not trying to f- make 16 three. You're not going to, like me, I probably wouldn't have shot no threes. The reason is, it was probably like when they, the next game when they said you have 16 threes, that very next game, I am going to calculate that the defense is going to overplay me. So I'm going to try to score 50 just by driving and laying up because they're going to overplay the three. They're going to pump fake. They're going to go for every pump fake. They're going to, so now I'm going to do the opposite. So I probably wouldn't even take a three in that next game unless it was wide open. But other than that, I would have just attacked the whole game. So now the next team is like, oh, shit, he's driving. Now I get to unleash these threes. So back to your 60-point game real quick. How much would it have hurt to gotten that 59 over 60 as a, as a hooper? Is, or do you not give a f- Is that fresh? To be honest, I didn't care because that was the first time I broke 50. Okay. So I went from 49 to 60. Okay. So I didn't even, because that was the biggest joke that Antoine Jameson yeah. said. He was like, damn. You still ain't hit 50. You, ain't, <laughs> you still ain't hit 50. Like, you can't hit 50. And that frustrated me. Like, ah. Like, damn. Yeah, you're right. I went from 40. I went 40 to 60. Never had a 50 game. Then he had a 50, I believe. And then I had a 50 two, two oh, games on later. Steve Nash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, you made yeah, so it. So I done cleared it. Like, yeah, I told, well, I told you I was going to be in that 50-point club. So is there anything, on, now, you, you guarding Kobe guys like that that are guarding you in the midst of these, these heaters. Is there anything that a defender can do to get you out the zone? Talk about your family, talk about your boo, kids. And- when, a guy, when a guy is on a heater, like when a guy is feeling it, like there's, you know, everything is working for him. I mean, the shots he's taking, his vision, the calls, the mood, like it's in his favor. All you're just trying to do is just make it a little bit harder. Like, you know, you're just trying to make it a little bit harder, but trying to stop a guy who's on a heater is basically impossible because his confidence at that point is at, a, at an all-time high. So you're just trying to just ride the wave until he can come down from it. You know, there's really, like, I remember I, I played against um, Trace McGrady when Trace McGrady hit the 61. He should have had 73 at least. He missed about 12 free throws and a bunch of layups. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like he, like, that's how great. Like, well, I, you know what? I can say he probably wasn't even on a heater. <laughs> he just dropped six. He on. was, he was, he was, he was hot, lukewarm. Not he wasn't like how I was hitting shots against Steve Nash and um, Kobe. When Tracy hit 61, that he wasn't in that mode. Like he would have had 73 just being a normal. That's how good he was. It was just, just a normal, it was just a normal, normal game. He's playing, hitting shots, missing free throws, missing layups. Like 61. Like, damn. <laughs> like, so it wasn't like he came down, hit 12 straight shots or some shit like that. Or Clay Thompson, when Clay Thompson's on the heater. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, Tracy didn't have the heater. <laughs> I just thought about it. Tracy didn't have a heater in that game. He just balled. Just got buckets. Just got buckets. So question for you, 
When you have a moment like that, a 60-piece, is there any type of hangover that impacts you from the next game, or, or are you trying to ride that thing out? Are there any superstitions you have? Like, oh, I just dropped 60, I got to wear the same socks, I got to wear the same shoes. Okay, so, so the unwritten rule about that, too, is like, you know, naturally your brain tries to duplicate that success, right? So when you're sitting down, coming down from that high, you're trying to duplicate everything. Like, all right, what did I do? Like, what did I wear? Like, what did I... Like, you're trying to really create the same atmosphere, right? Right, I wore these socks, you know, this suit. I drew, I ate this in the morning. I ate that for lunch. I watched this movie. Like, you, I, I called these three people, right? You try to, try to, like, get it as close as possible. And what ends up happening is it actually does work. Because you're, you're telling your brain, this is how you created success. Let me keep doing the same thing. With now, you're naturally going into a positive atmosphere. Like, okay, I ate my food. I went to sleep, woke up at this time, took my shower, went to Cologne, called this person, talked exactly 12, 12 minutes on the drive, listened to these songs, got here at the same time, perfect. Now you're walking in with that spunk, no. you know what I mean? And that's usually how the superstitious, the superstitious stuff actually works for unwritten. So then you have a bad game doing all that shit. You like that? I'm, I'm no, a, you have I'm, a bad game. You try to figure out what actually end up happening okay. during this little thing you just created. Ah, it was that red car, the red car that was in front of me that made me swerve out. <laughs> See, I swerved out and messed up the little rotation on it. So I, there was times where. That ended up happening to me. I, I drove in the right lane the whole time. And then there was an accident. And then I had to go around. And then I had a bad game. Next time it happened, I'm just going to sit there. And just <laughs> wait for it to get Just go wait for it. Just, I'm just, no, I'm not moving. <laughs> I'm not going to move. I mean, I can't. I, last time I did that, I only had 22 points. Nah, I want that whole 38 experience. <laughs> I want the whole 38. <laughs> but that's, a, you know, like, Think about like things you see in like uh, pregame warmups when people do like certain things. You're yeah. like, yo, why are they doing that? Because that's part of the routine. That's part of the routine of success that they done created. You know, like um, like in Bead, you remember where he was outside on the stretching table eating grapes? He probably did it once and then had a ball game and then he's gonna recreate that scene. And that's where. LeBron and the smoke come from. That's where the, the hike situation comes from. Inbound, hike at the Westbrook. Yeah. Westbrook does his little right. thing. That's part of the routine. Let's talk about getting recruited, Gil. Mm -hmm. So first thing, and you, you're very passionate about the subject. I want to talk about holdbacks. Do you feel like parents should be holding back their kids? Um, yes, if you want them to be unsuccessful. Um, if you don't want them to hit their full potential, yeah, hold them back. Um, because that's all that's actually happening. That when you hold a, a child back, you do exactly what it says, holding back. You're holding back everything. You're keeping them in a grade, right? You're, so you don't want him to skip up to the next grade. So to challenge himself. So you want to hold him back in the same grade that he just finished while the people that's gonna be competing with him comes from a, a lower grade. Um, so you're holding back his development, right? It's like swimming. Man, if we're in a kiddie pool, we'll call that eighth grade. That's a kiddie pool. 
if we're in a kiddie pool and then this group moves on to the big pool and you decide to stay in this, the, the, the kiddie pool to develop, right? the only thing that's happening is you're getting stronger, bigger, faster. But you're in a kiddie pool. So there's only so much you can do in a kiddie pool with that. The kids who went to the big pool had to battle with all the all the pros of that that level, you know, your the seniors, the juniors, your super sophomores, your super freshmen. By the time these two forces meet again, the person who went forward is so far in front of the two-time kiddie pool champ. You know what I mean? And, but but because he got bigger and he's the best, he's the best in that kiddie pool. It's it's false. So you're slowing down. His, his real development, you're getting false development, and you're slowing down his money. You're slowing down the, 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 the big part of the reason you're doing it, the money. But if your child is not a high-level kid and he's just trying to go to college and you want free education, you hold him back two, three, four times, as many times as you want. Because you got to remember, what levels don't care is, the high school level don't care is, hey, if, if I can keep you to 20, I'm going to keep it to do that. It helps my chances. College don't give a shit what age you are. It helps their chances. The only, the only organization that really cares about age is the NBA. They don't want you old coming in. They want you young coming in. So if we take ages right now, right, I can take Scoot Henderson, who's 17. He's in the D League or the G League now. And then you have Amani Bates, 17 in college, right? We're gonna throw those two up at the top. As a 17-year-old, those are the megalodons of that age. That means everyone 17 that's a junior, sophomore, senior, you're so far behind those two. You will never catch them in talent, because you gotta remember, one is playing against pros, one is playing high-level college. Right? You're playing against high school kids. You would never catch them in talent. And most important, you would never catch them in money. You're, you, you would be so far off the money scale that it's ridiculous. And I'll break it down to star players that you know. These players wasn't holdbacks, but they came in at the same draft, or they, some of them came in the same draft, but they're the same age, or they came in different ages. So we'll take, just to show you how far the money hurts you, 2003 draft, you had LeBron James, 18. In the same draft, you have Melo, 18, right? Two players, 18. Dwayne Wade comes in at 21 because he went to college three years, right? So we're going to fast forward and say we're going to give you until 36 36, you retire at 36 years old, all of you guys, right? We're going to max you guys all the way out. We're going to keep you equal. You guys are stars all the way out, all three of you guys. As you can see now, two of them still playing. <laughs> One has been retired. So now think about the money that the players that are still playing making versus the guy who actually had to retire because you got to remember he's three years four years older so he's gonna be out of the league four years older so by the time he turns 36 the other two are 32 
So when you look at how much they made, it actually shows it. All maxed out. But just you got to understand, don't think about the money because the money, the money sound is just going to be like, ooh, I mean, I'm, I'm happy with that. But just to show the capability. For sure. So you have Dwayne Wade made $196 million in his career. That's a bag. Bag? That's a nice bag. Bag. Right? <laughs> I'll take that. I'll take a fraction of that. I know that's what I'm saying. Though. You can't look at the you gotta look at the money compared to the same. But if you're playing big bank takes little bank, so he's got 196, but now he's trying to be amongst other ballers. No, no, no. You got hundred, but you're talking about the same time frame. So in the same time frame yeah. of that 36 age, you got Dwayne Wade 196. You got Melo 238. You got LeBron James 300. One makes a hundred and two million more. Think, think about what I'm saying. At the same, we're talking about the same time frame, but because one's coming in three years younger, he gets more chances at this bag than Dwayne does. Even, even so, now you look at somebody like Chris Paul comes in at 18, 261. You got Dwight Howard, 18, 234. So all the 18 year olds made, I think the closest one is what? 60 million, 40 something million. Dwayne Wade is 40 something million dollars behind the closest. And those pers- those people are still playing because they're not they're, they're, they're not even 36 yet. <laughs> they're not 36 yet. So th- that's how far that gap is. So you want to be able to get into the NBA as young as possible. You you want to be able to start your money clock as soon as you possibly can. So if your kid is sitting in High school, the junior at 17, 18, 19 years old, the only thing that's hurting is that bag. And there's only been one out of all basketball, there's only been one that I know of that became a superstar and he was a holdback. And that was uh, D. Rose. But D. Rose was number one player in the country in the eighth grade when he decided to hold back because he because of schooling. So it's not like he held back to gain something. You know, yeah. in his basketball career, he was already number one player. So he was basically number one player two years or two years in a row um, in eighth grade. But that's the exception. Everybody, I mean, there might be one who slips into the role that made an all-star game, but you know, here and there. But I, I can't even think of one. So that means, out of all these people that is holding back, out of all the people that's holding back, it's hurting the final. The, the final product is actually hurting because you got to remember. If you go on and you're learning all these new things and I'm sitting back here playing against these little kids, you are still going to be more advanced than me. It's going to, like, we're, we're running at the same pace. Like, I'm never going to catch you. Because you got to remember, you went, I stopped. So from here, it's, it's just sitting, like, you, you're, ne- you're never going to catch the talent. And that's what, that's what parents don't actually understand. I think when you look nowadays, especially, I think of somebody like LaMelo Ball. So LaMelo, I believe, skipped a grade to be able to play with mm-hmm. his brother's 13-year-old, ninth grader. But LeVar got so much shit, you know, and we, we kept the receipts. You know, there was a lot of people, oh, he mm-hmm. should have did this, he should have did that. You know, I had even friends of mine who were like, oh, he should have had his traditional high school experience. He should have been in Lithuania and starting his own league. But when you look at what LeVar was able to do with LaMelo, do you feel like LeVar got the last laugh on all yeah, this? Yeah, but it, 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 that is the success. You got to remember... He was so good as a freshman, right? Um, and as a sophomore. At that point, it's like, 
The kid hit 96 points. Didn't he hit 96 points in his sophomore year? Where does he go? Why is he coming back to high school? They, they, like, what, what is the point? Like, what, he's, done, he's done, like, really dominated this thing. So for him to keep getting better, he has to go somewhere to get challenged. So he goes overseas, comes off the bench, averages seven. Everyone's laughing. He's playing against grown men. He's playing against grown men. That seven points is probably like averaging 60 in high school. <laughs> probably averaging. And I said it. I said he averaged seven. I guarantee you when he comes out, he's still going to be number one and number two pick. I said it then because I said the experience he's getting, he's learning how to get hit by big men. All of this, by the time his body starts growing and he enters that draft, he's going to be a whole different person. But... If you've never been in that situation like most parents haven't, they don't understand that. They're holding their kids back because somebody else is telling them to hold their kids back because they held their kids back. And this is like, but none of them has been successful. So why are you, why are you still doing it? Why are y'all still doing this? Because, yeah, it gets, it gets you, get a free, you get a free education, yeah, but your kid has real talent. So if your kid has real talent, move him up. Skip him up. Amani Bates, they listened. You got Gatorade player of the year, sophomore, number one player in the country. What the hell are you coming back for a senior year for? Go to college. Like, get, like learn another, learn that next level. You, I got to remember, Amadi Bates would be in high school this year playing pointless basketball. So he goes to college. He's having a decent time. Decent. If he came out into the draft because he's 17, if he was allowed to be drafted, at 17, you're still top two pick. You're still, like, you got Pablo, you got Chet, and then you probably got him at three. That, that, that's going to be the top three picks. Yeah. And he's 17 having an okay year. Having an okay year. Next year is going to be his real year. He's going to dominate. So you feel, and that, that's the thing I think people are looking at with Amani and saying, oh, did he make the right decision or not? But to your NBA GM or a franchise, you're not really tripping on that shit because you're looking at the age, I don't, right? I, I look, we're, the NBA is looking at the age. What, think about what I'm saying. Everybody's like, oh, he's not doing so well. He's 17. Where is he at compared to the other 17-year-olds? He's doing amazing. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's why I said he is doing, he is like... Like he's averaging, what, 15 in college? 12, 15 in college? What is that in high school again? <laughs> uh, 70, 100 points a game? Like, what, well, this is not even a comparison. So, like I said, those two, Scoop and Amani, are, they're, they're here compared to the rest of their group. The, the rest of the group is not even in, the, in, in eyesight at this point. And that's, and that's what people are not understanding. Like, you want to be, you want to challenge the talent. You want to challenge the talent. You want the, you want the Lamborghini, the Ferrari, to be able to race against other Lamborghinis so it knows how to drive its car. A Lamborghini going against Hondas, the Lamborghini never learns how to drive fast, just faster than them, right? If they can only go 60, I'm only going to go 70. I don't, what, do I, what do I need to go... You remember Talladega Nights? Yeah. When he's over there, uh, uh, what's his name? 
the, the guy who came from overseas, Sasha. Really? But we're, he's over there drinking coffee and doing that because it's a breeze for him. That's what ends up happening. Because it, it's so easy for the guy who's older that he never challenges himself. And then by the time he gets to a level where he's going to be challenged, it's a rude awakening. You know, and that's why I say don't hold back because the study has shown that when it goes to the top level, they're actually at the bottom level. So that was Unwritten Rules, Volume 2. We appreciate y'all plugging in with us. We'll be back with more very, very soon. Very, very soon. I stumbled on that very, very, but we're going to keep it moving. <laughs> That's why I had to finish it for you, very, don't very. Don't nobody <laughs> say that very, very like you said that very, very. <laughs> very, very like you said that very, very. <laughs>